Wow. This is weird. Being back up here with responsibility of teaching. Um, at 5.30 this morning, I got my message from Mary Tao in Virginia. Praying for you. Looking forward to this morning. Are we getting feedback in this? We tested this this morning. Or is it something else? Do I need to do something? But anyway, she messaged me and I'm like, it's starting to feel normal again at hearing from her and uh, just getting up and prepping for today. Uh, it's the 4th of July and you, I really don't want to start a series on the, a holiday, so I'm waiting till next week to actually start Romans chapter 9. So not being up here for about five months, I thought I would just dump some thoughts onto you today. This is just a thought dump uh, today. And so uh, it would seem natural, being the 4th of July, that we would talk about freedom. So that's probably where I want to start today is freedom. Do do we really understand freedom? I mean, Keith talked about us being dependent upon one another. Do I need to go to a handheld or just keep going? They'll fix it. Uh, let me start by saying this. How many times did Jesus die? How many times did Jesus die? One time. All right. So you know the standard around here that he forgave sins past, present, and future. He died one time. His blood was poured out. Forgiveness was given to all sin, all time. Before you were ever born, before you ever created you were ever created before you did your very first sin, he took care of your sin issue. The only thing that you did was believe and have faith. All right? That, that's a big, big understanding for some of you. So we live in a forgiven state of mind. I walk around knowing that I'm forgiven. I, I don't have to... Pray for forgiveness. I don't have to ask for forgiveness. We get pounded with 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He did that when I was eight years old. I asked him to forgive me of my sins. I didn't know it at the time. I kept asking because that's what I was told to do. But that one time that I asked him, he forgave me of all my sins. And he cleansed me from all unrighteousness because he only died one time. He took care of it. So the moment that I believed, I began to live in a forgiven state. I didn't realize that till I was like 37 years old. It took me a long time. Now, watch this. This gives us the freedom to do whatever we want. I said that in church from the stage. This gives us the freedom to do whatever we want. This isn't my truth. This is, this is from the Bible. Paul expressed it so much that he even had to answer the question that came up then and even comes up today. That question of, 
What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? He says that in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. I have to go back and pick up Romans chapter 6 because, you know, Luke and Shannon and Matt. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's, just, it's just like the heart of what we teach here. If I can reiterate that one piece of Romans, this is, this is it. This first part of chapter 6. The idea that we would sin so God could disperse even more grace is still me-centered. Like, I have to do something to make God greater. You see that, right? That's the question that he's asking. Do we, do we just keep on sinning so God keeps dispersing more grace? Is that what we need to do? Well, how can I create more opportunity for God to make Himself even greater? I guess I'll go sin more. That's the question that He's trying to answer here, and it's honestly asked in here. Well, kind of asked in here. It's not necessarily with that state of mind. I only wish it was with what you were thinking on how you choose to sin. I'm going to sin so I can make God look good. It's not quite the way. I think I need to go to handheld, do I? I'm just getting like a ringing. Uh, so there's that. If that was really the reason, that was the reason that you were choosing to sin. The real issue is, is that we still have a me-centered flesh. Not a sinful nature. You only have one nature. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he, he saved you and forgave you of your sins, He took your old heart out, replaced it with a new heart. All those things that we teach. He took your sinful nature out where it was natural for you to sin and replaced it with a new nature to pursue Him. All right, so you only have one nature, but there's still a battle that's going on inside of you. I get it. And that would be your wrestling with your flesh, wrestling with your flesh and with your new creation, your new heart. So the real issue is that we still have a me centered flesh that says, I have an unlimited amount of grace in my account. You get a new credit card and you just go fill it up. Well, you still owe for that. With the grace issue, it's unlimited and you don't even have to pay it back. It's already been paid for. So if you go with that mindset right there, then yeah, you can do that. You're free to do that. You can make it all about you if you want. You can make the Bible say whatever you want it to say for your own agenda. Really, you, you, can, you can take this Bible, this book right here, take passages out, change passages, interpret passes differently just so it fits your agenda. You can make it about you if you want. 
happens all the time, happens in pulpits every day. You're free indeed to do whatever you want. Your idea of freedom is your own. Now, I get it. I get that you're free, and you're free to do whatever you want. We say that here all the time. But, your thinking about freedom is incorrect. Look what Paul says. He literally says in verse 2, the next verse, he says, Absolutely not. Is, are we supposed to sin so that grace abounds and God looks greater? Is that what the freedom is about? He says, absolutely not. Listen closely. Not freedom to feed our fleshly desires, which are selfish. Fleshly desires are selfish. That's basically what it is. That's when you had a sinful nature, you were dependent upon yourself. At camp, we talked about when you're born, you're born in this ring. We had this rope and they sat in it and they were born and it was all about me as a child. No one had to teach them life was about them. It was just their sinful nature that made it about them. All right? So it's not freedom to feed your fleshly selfish desires, but freedom to let God's desires be your desires. That's where the change occurs. How do I let God's desires be my desires? Or how do my desires become God's desires? How are we one in the same? Man, if you can get there, if you can get there where we can all think, all we think about is what God desires for me and of me, it's a whole new place of living. I promise you. Not a freedom to be passive. To not do anything. But freedom to see His power working through me. If believers understood that, if believers understood that, and they begin to live like that, it would change the world. It would change the world. The Here's what I also know. That responsibility is not mine, it's His. He's the one that does that in me. He teaches me that, and that's why... I, I don't get worked up when I hear your stuff. I used to. I used to get cranked up and worked up because it was seemed like uh, everything I stood about, understood about Christianity was about behavior and how you behave. Uh, you guys do some pretty incredible things, but you also do some crazy things. And uh, I just don't get worked up about it. It's not my responsibility to fix you. It's the Spirit's responsibility. Now, if we're defining it as a, a perfect performance with perfect results, the answer is no. That's not it. That's not it. 
if you're defining it as a perfect method of how we live, trusting Christ as my life, then the answer is yes. The method of how we live. <laughs> I promise you, my friends, God's grace is sufficient for your every situation. I promise you. He, he literally wants to carry the burden of living your life for you. Whatever you're dealing with, He says, I've, I've got it. I got it. Just, I'm in you, you in me. I'll do this for you. Trust me. <laughs> we're, we're, we work at resting while we rest at working. That's the whole thing. I'm resting in His victory. The Bible states these truths. Look at, we go through Romans chapter 6 again. He says, How can we who died to sin still live in it? Just as it's important for every Christian to know who he is in Christ, which we teach in here regularly on a Sunday morning, on a weekly basis, just as important as it is for you to know who you are in Christ, it's also important for you to know that prior to salvation, you walk by your flesh. Because if you can understand what you were, what you did, and what you have now, it makes a whole lot of difference. How can he, we who died to sin still live in it? Like, we still make bad choices, I get it. But if we truly understand where we came from and what we have now, it's like, doesn't make sense that we're still walking in that junk. It says in verse 3, Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? So the moment that you believed, you also died with Christ. You were crucified. You were crucified. Something in you died with Christ at Calvary. What was that? We look in Scripture and it says the old carnal man. It's our sinful nature. My sinful nature that I was born with died. Something in me died. And that sinful nature was eradicated. It's not natural for me to sin. Even though I still sin right now, Oh gosh, uh, even though I sin right now, uh, it's not my nature. You And sin looks totally different after we believe. Like you look at sin and the specific things that, the list that it is, thou shalt not murder, lie, steal, whatever, break the law, all those things, that's sin, but Really what Paul says is anything outside of faith is sin. Now that I'm a believer. What does that mean? Anything outside of faith is sin. I have two choices. I either walk by my flesh or I walk by the Spirit. If I walk by my flesh, it's sin. That's it. doesn't matter what the checklist is that I'm doing, what the behavior is that I'm doing. It's just if I choose to be selfish and work, 
out of my own flesh. I can even do good things out of my own flesh. That's sin. But when I can rest, trust, just let Christ do it in me, and I'm walking by the Spirit, whatever that looks like, I'm good. I'm good. So something died in us. It literally moves you from thinking about yourself to thinking about Christ and what Christ do. He came here to serve others. It takes you out of the Lord of the ring that you were born in and it causes you to focus on other people outside of the ring. It's what Keith said. It's like being dependent upon one another in this very room right here. If I'm I'm not concerned about what I'm presenting here. I'm more concerned about what the Spirit is teaching you. I, I don't care how it comes across from me, what I look like or whatever else. What's the Spirit doing in this room right now? That To me, that's what matters. Think about our world right now. What mindset do they have? It's all about me. It's all about what's important to me. It's all about who I am. It's all about my agenda. What can I get out of this world? That is the world today. And it is totally opposite of what Jesus came to teach us. What can I do to serve today? What can I do to encourage others today? How can I love my neighbor today? Verse 4, it says, Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. For if we've been united with him in the likeness of death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified. There it is. Our old self was crucified. Our old sinful nature was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin, things have changed. You have changed. You are a new creation. You are holy, righteous, and redeemed, forgiven. You're a child of God. You're all those things the Bible says that you are. He changed you. Your whole nature, He changed you. So just to say that you went from a moment of not believing to believing and it just, oh, okay, I've got salvation Man, you're missing out on the whole thing. Not only do you have salvation, this is where we talked at camp, it's like, that's the good news, you have salvation, but there's gooder news. <laughs> there's gooder news, man. He's like, he's like living inside of you, wanting to live your life for you in the midst of the chaos here in this world. Verse 8, it says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. He's not going back up on the cross again. That issue has been resolved. 
Death no longer rules over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. All time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you to consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We literally spend our whole lives in the flesh. This is not bad, but there's a power that dwells in my flesh that constantly is pounding me with crazy thoughts. Terrible thoughts. Nasty thoughts. I get them too. We spend our whole lives in the flesh learning how to overcome the flesh and trying to live out of this new heart that He's given us. That's, that's, that's the Christian life. I'm trying to learn how to live out of this new heart. I blow it sometimes. I'm sorry, I blow it. But every day, I'm just like trying to figure out how do I live out of this new nature. I still have flesh patterns from when I had a sinful nature. I created, I, there, there's all sorts of thoughts in there. And then the power of sin works on me. That, that's really the beauty of this community. We're learning how to do this together. And we're learning how to do it without condemnation. Because you're going to mess up. I'm going to mess up. I'm just telling you right now. You put expectations that, you know, uh, okay, we're, we're perfect. I get it. I'm perfect in my soul and spirit. I'm perfect in my identity. That doesn't mean I live it out perfectly. My behavior sometimes is pretty corrupt. We still make bad choices, which are basically selfish, fleshly, in our own strength. So what does Paul do? He's sitting here doing what we do every week, where we just remind you of our true identity. It says verse 12, Therefore, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. Most, some churches will say, okay, now you have to do this. Quit doing this. Or do this. All Paul is reminding you, hey, you once were this, now you're this, so let's live out of the new heart rather than out of the old flesh. He says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires, and do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. Why? Because he keeps telling us that we're righteous. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. Paul is literally saying, Walk in who you have been made to be, alive in Christ. Walk in that. You are no longer dead in sin. Just walk with Jesus. People ask, what does it mean to be alive in Christ? Explain that. How do you get there? Man, I wish there was a vaccine for that. One, you have to know them. 
You just have to know him. You have to know Jesus. Well, how do you get to know Jesus? <clears throat> I'd say read your Bible. I'd say walk outside and look. I'd say hang out with these people. I'd say stop talking and listen. How do you get to know Jesus? You got to know him first. Then you'll hear him. That's when it gets crazy. When he starts talking to you, he might even call you by name. And then comes the hard part. You got to trust him. Yeah, I can read this, I can have knowledge. I can present it. They say it's knowledge is puffed up. It's true. But do I know him? Can I hear him? Do I trust him? You see, the flesh the flesh demands a sign. This hard evidence, this hard evidence that God is real instead of just believing God. I mean, can you can you just believe? Can you just trust? Can you read his word? Can you know him? Can you trust him? The, the world it wants us to use this sign as an object of its faith rather than just the word of God that he's listen, it's the word of God that he's spoken. That's, that's a pretty big deal that God's spoken this word. Yet you just want a sign. Even when Jesus was here and he was speaking, they wanted a sign. Show us more signs that you're really the Messiah. Just prove to us that you're the Messiah. It's the same thing that's going on today. Just prove that God's real. Can you not just believe it's a faith thing? We're saved by faith. The difference the difference between walking by sight rather than by faith. Okay, so I just sat here and told you, what does it mean to be alive in Christ? It means you have to know Him. It means uh, you probably hear from Him and trust Him. And then you need to hang on. If you get to that stage, you better hang on because you will find an abundant life that Jesus talks about. Through allowing him to express himself through your talents, through your abilities, your gifts, your personality, to do his will. Not yours, but his will. That's when it's fun. That's when it's exciting. That's when you don't know what's going to happen from day to day. That's the adventure. Freedom, oh, you are free indeed. You are free indeed. You just have to choose your freedom in yourself or your freedom in Christ. Figure it out. Not my job. <laughs> Let me... 
let me totally change thoughts. Uh, I got a few more minutes here. I'm going to uh, change thoughts. Let me talk to you a little more about feelings and emotions that I talked with. It seems like every time I talk about that, everybody gets worked up about their feelings and emotions get worked up about it. So uh, last week, I quickly presented to you what we presented to the the kids at camp. Um, and here's what I presented to you. I'm just, not the middle part so much, but the parts that are on the sides. There's this. We talked about this is that uh, the world teaches us that our feelings and our, our emotions are important because it allows us to express who we are. It's truly who we are. I feel this, so therefore I am this. And if that's the case, then it causes us to begin to believe that. That becomes our faith. I believe what my feelings are telling me because my feelings wouldn't lie to me. And then if we believe that, that becomes our truth. It becomes our agenda. It becomes what we live for. It begins, And if we're living for it, then it becomes what we do, our works. This is the world's way of doing things. And, and I, I think I express that sometimes the church even teaches that. Like we get your feelings all worked up in worship and we can manipulate your emotions and feelings by the presentation here on the stage and then tell you what to believe and then that becomes your truth and then now you have to go out and live the Christian life. You hear what I'm saying? But at camp, we told the kids that let's start with the truth. The truth is being there. there's so many opinions and feelings and thoughts and everything else expressed in this room that there's only one commonality in this room, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the one truth. The Jesus in me is the living Word. So if there's only one truth, that's what we're going to teach. This is the only agenda in this room. Jesus. And if, if, I, if the Holy Spirit can get you to believe that right there, that becomes your faith. If you, like we said, know Him and then you got to believe it, you got to trust it, then it will impact what you do out there. It greatly impacts what you do. And then your feelings and your emotions begin to line up with that truth and that belief and what you do. Therefore, your feelings, which sometimes can lie to you, your feelings and emotions can lie to you, not always true, can't be the leading. If you get this, you can greatly impact your feelings and emotions. With me on that? So, let me talk to you a little bit more about that. God is uh, never going to bring your feeler totally into subjection so long as we remain in this earth suit. Like, I, I believe that I am redeemed. My spirit and soul is redeemed. My soul being my personality. And I believe that my emotions and my feelings have been redeemed. 
but because of this power of sin that works in my flesh, sometimes my emotions get out of whack. My feelings get out of whack. And I believe that God's plan for us is to believe Him and choose to submit ourselves to His loving and authority regardless of how we feel. Like, love is a choice. I'm going to choose to love God, trust God, believe God, aside from how I feel. He's deliberately designed us to vacillate so as to crowd you toward walking by faith. I believe that. I believe that God pushes us towards faith, not by feel. If you're experiencing uh, the peace that passes all understanding, look at these passages of Scripture. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. All understanding is your emotions and your feelings. Peace is, peace is not an emotion or feeling. It's not an emotion or feeling. It's a, it's a fruit of the Spirit. There's a Spirit. And say, uh, you got world peace. We're not talking about world peace. We're talking about peace that comes from God because it says, and the peace of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and so forth. Look, look in John 14, 27, this was a verse that was uh, took me back to my mom when she passed. Peace I leave with you. My peace. Not Rusty's peace. My peace. Jesus, These are red letters. Jesus says, my peace I give to you. That's, that's a fruit of the Spirit. I do not give to you as the world gives. It's not the same kind of peace. It's a different kind of peace. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. And then a verse that uh, I use quite a bit because it talks about the three parts of us, the Spirit, soul, and body. is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, peace is not a feeling, but a knowing. It's something that we know. Knowing that the Father has everything under control in the midst of grief and loss and chaos. There can be a peace aside from ourselves, aside from the world that only comes from God. A peace to know, a peace to know that you are in Christ. It says that we're already seated in heaven. I'm right here right now. But I also know I'm seated with Christ in heaven. My mom's not waiting for me to get to heaven. Somehow, some way, I'm, I'm already. They're not waiting for us to get there, y'all. It says that we're seated in heaven right now, resting. And and that is He is in you now, living. That's where the peace comes from. 
That's where the peace comes from. And that last verse I want to look at is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. It says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Christ in you, you in Christ. God is peace. Emotions and feelings. Kind of overrated. I love them. I love my emotions and feelings. I love to cry. I love to laugh. I love all that. I love it's good. It's, it's the way God created us. But they do not define my truth. They don't. They don't. They can't. They can't. I yeah, I it doesn't take much to get my emotions going. I can get mad in an instant. And I have to remind myself this is stupid. Just stop. Just stop. Okay, Lord, I can't stop. I'm going to trust that you're going to take this emotion away from me right now. That's how hard it is. Emotions and feelings are real, but based upon what I know, what I believe, and what I do, I can greatly impact my emotions. May I have a couple more thoughts, but I'm not, I don't have time to unpack them with you, so uh, I'll save those for a, a later date. Uh, I, I'd love, you know, to talk to you more about it, even just in conversation, breakfast, whatever, or, uh, if you got questions about it. But here, here's what you have to know today. Know him, trust him, and he will bring you peace. Father, I pray that uh, today we just submitted to your word, not just an agenda, but we literally unpack your word and that you did that in the hearts of my friends here, my brothers and sisters, and um, thank thankful for you doing that in them today, and even in myself today that you did that. Uh, I trust you with your word. I trust you with my friends. And I am thankful for all that you do for us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.